You're listening to Sustainably Geeky, the podcast for everyday environmentalists. Hi, and welcome to Sustainably Geeky, episode 16. I'm Jennifer, and I am joined tonight by Jen. Hello, guys. And we have a special guest, Dr. Lynette Reed. Uh, Dr. Reed is an expert with over 25 years of experience in the area of community building. She's a writer, facilitator, and mentor for topics of discussion, including sustainability, critical thinking skills, binary thinking in business, corporate culture, and engagement. So we thought it would be fun to talk to her today about a few of those things and find out kind of how she blends all that together and how... Um, we can use some of those skills in helping people becoming become more conscious uh, of the environment and to live a more sustainable lifestyle. So, Dr. Reed, would you like to, um, I guess, tell us how you kind of got into this field and, and what your, your passion for sustainability started with? Sure, yeah. I, well, I actually kind of started, uh, I, I decided to go back and get my doctorate, and I couldn't decide what I wanted to get it in, so I was kind of looking around. And I found this really interesting field called uh, sustainability, uh, interreligious dialogue, and spirituality. And it's basically like a world peace degree. I, I don't know. That's what we've always called it. Because what it, what it, what my part in it, whenever I was doing my research for it, basically was talking about is how do you connect yourself, your, you know, your inner self, to other people and the world around you. And so when I look at sustainability, I look at it from the broader perspective of how do you, how do you uh, create an environment for yourself internally and create an environment around you that helps you to live a life con more interconnected. And to me, that's what sustainability is all about, is how do we care for those things around us. And so that's kind of how I came into it. So it can be anything from sustainability re related to resilience or sustainability related to the environment or your home or culture or any of those types of things. Awesome. And um, so, so that was a, a very long list of things that, that you helped facilitate. <laughs> Tell us how, I guess, they, they work together and, you know, how you, how you have a unique perspective because you kind of have that holistic view. Yeah. The, well, for me, you know, that's the beautiful thing about sustainability is it's so personal to your own picture of the world and what you're trying to accomplish. And so, you know, if I say the word sustainability to some people, they automatically think like LEED certification or they might think of, you know, recycling or, you know, just there's hundreds and hundreds of ways that you can create an environment that gives you that sustainable lifestyle where you're kind of making the world a, a, a quote-unquote a better place to live. You know, you're trying to be caring to the earth. You're trying to be caring to yourself. And so um, to me, that's the beautiful thing is you can craft whatever you want it to look like uh, for your own life and for your own environment. And, and all of them are so different because, you know, people are different. The environments are different. And so um, whenever you have one person doing that and passionate and and following their kind of desire, and then you have another person who's following their desire, and all of a sudden you start connecting the dots on all of these different people who are doing these amazing sustainable things, then that's how you kind of build that culture. And it can be frustrating if you live in an environment where nobody's doing anything. You know, it's kind of more of a destructive environment. And so to me, 
you know, that gets into that whole question of how do you create something around you, even if it's a more destructive environment you're living in. So that's kind of my thought on how to do that. So. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I think a lot of us feel like um, we live in that destructive environment, whether it's locally or on a national level. Um, I think there's a lot of hopelessness, especially when you hear about uh, how bad things are getting and how we're nearing that point of no return where, you know, just a couple of degrees Celsius and we're going to be um, basically damning the planet um, and our ability to live on it for all eternity, according to the science. So um, <laughs> exactly, how, yeah. how do you, you know, stay hopeful and, and keep, um, I guess, you know, people engaged when, when that stuff is happening and they do feel that way? Uh, what I normally do whenever I'm working with somebody who's trying to exact change that way, as I say, don't try to eat the whole elephant. Uh, you know, if you, if, you, if you start looking at it too big, it becomes so overwhelming that it's just kind of discouraging feeling. And so to me, you know, if, if somebody really is trying to make a change in something, pick a, I would say to start with, pick a few things or a couple of goals that you know you can do that are really manageable and work on those first, and then once those are kind of in place, then try to do other, uh, you know, other little goals. And I think to me the biggest challenge is, is that if you can't get other people to do it, then you have to be the model and, and grow it kind of from within yourself out, you know what I mean? And um, sometimes you're going to be in an environment where people aren't interested or they don't want to do it, and so you may have to be very creative or you may have to go find, you know, funding that helps you to do what you want to do um, and, and just kind of not let yourself get discouraged about the fact that you can't change other people, but you can do it for yourself and know that you're the one who's really making a change that's important for you, you know, because, uh, you know, sometimes I think if you if you think in terms of, oh, gosh, I can't get all these people to come my way then you're going to start to feel discouraged where if you say, okay, if I, if I do this, this, and this, this year, I'm going to feel like these are manageable goals that I can actually achieve. And I've actually done something for the universe, you know, and that's, a, that's a much nicer feeling at the end of the year than <laughs> thinking, oh gosh, I haven't, I haven't touched anybody on this. You know what I mean? So uh, I think it's a really internal perspective uh, that makes you more sustainable. It makes you more resilient when you can do those types of things. So that's kind of my, you know, my I, backward way of looking at it. <laughs> I was going to try to segue into how you write articles for different companies. And one of your articles was about self-awareness in the workplace. And since we're kind of on that topic of just focusing on you sometimes and you can't always change other people, I guess my question is, is what is, is it just finding something tangible, like creating an actual project, like a community garden or something to that effect, so it makes you feel better, like you have something that you can see, touch, smell, <laughs> so yeah. it's, not, it's not the intangible things that maybe can become discouraging over time if you feel like you haven't made like progress, or I guess my question really is, is what have you seen that's worked in that regard? Well, you know, it's a, it's really interesting because, you know, you talk, you said a bunch of words at the beginning, you know, binary thinking, critical thinking, sustainability. And to me, you know, they're all really interconnected. 
And so when you're talking about self-awareness, for instance, okay, you can have different layers of it. And I think, you know, when you're talking about binary thinking, you're talking about looking at things from an either or perspective. It's either good or it's bad or it's wrong or it's right or it's it's this or it's that. And if you think about our world, we really are a very gray society when it comes to all the options that are available. So if you're thinking to yourself in your mind, oh, my gosh, if I don't get this recycle program started at work, I'm a failure. How's that going to make you feel? You know, if you don't get it to go, you're going to feel pretty bad, right? But if you say, okay, my goal is I want to attempt to start a recycle program by going out and buying the bins and making sure that I put signs on them to tell people how to do it and sending out emails to people so that they know that that's available and making sure that the bins are taken care of. Those are very definable goals that really help you to feel much better because if you do those things, you've got very physical, tangible things you can do that are going to help you feel like you've done something. And even if nobody uses the bins, at least you can say to yourself, hey, I did my part, and that's the part that I need to start with. That doesn't mean that that's where I'm going to end. But to me, that's what self-awareness has to do with is being able to look outside of what you want it to look like and, and look at the bigger, broader picture of how can I model for people ways that they can do it so that they can really feel good about themselves. <coughs> yeah, I think from a lot of the research I've done, because um, a lot of what I've been trying to do in the sustainability field for my career is, you know, how do you get people into that, that action state? So I had to, like, Google search everything I could <laughs> yeah. to try to figure out, like, what is the key to success in all of this? And um, a lot of things that kept popping up was social proofing, which mm-hmm. really is just like things that you see on Facebook or social media in general or television or you hear on the radio or you just see social norms in your community. So when you see someone recycling and they are acknowledged or recognized for doing that action, I, it, yeah. it perpetuates this feeling of, oh, this is our culture now and we do this and that's an acceptable behavior. And that's what really kind of flips the switch for some people. And then there's Recycling's also, cool. Yeah. yeah. You're not cool yeah. if you don't recycle. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I, I went back and forth a lot with it because there are times where, you know, a, some sort of nice version of public shaming actually is very effective. <laughs> so, you know, you kind of try to find that balance. You know, it's almost like you have to do a little bit of both, you know, a little bit of the carrot and a little bit of the stick so that there are repercussions like, picketing people for not recycling Mm -hmm. properly and putting the wrong thing in the bin but there's also incentive programs so the people that are doing the right thing are paying less for trash because they have a smaller size bin or you know those types of things and that's right but for all things sustainable it it's kind of this magic recipe that you have to figure out within your own community because everyone's surroundings are different and their background is different and yeah, and a lot of it, too, is if you're able to do, like, PowerPoint presentations, you, you always want to show pictures of kids. <laughs> and just be like, this is why we're doing this. That's and right. Let's remember. Cute yeah. little babies, like, always get to people's hearts. Oh, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So, and that's where we can all kind of kind of agree on a some sort of common level. Like, don't make this a Republican versus Democrat 
um, type of discussion. This is about the future of the human population and in general, like all animals and plants that live Our on health, Earth. health so, and safety and yeah. Yeah, exactly. So we try to tend to like, you know, even if you have those people in the crowd that you can see them like steaming like from their ears because you mentioned the word climate change, you know, you can still show pictures of cute little babies and yeah. them to, like understand, yeah. like, oh, I do have really cute grandbabies, and yeah, yeah. I, do, I do want them to have polar bears in their lifetime. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so those are the things that I have found that have helped. So if there's anyone listening or watching, you know, those types of strategies seem to have been successful. And feel free to share your ideas with us as well. Yeah, yeah. And that would be, to me, that'd be the great thing is the more people that will share the things that they've done successfully and kind of put them all in a, in a, in a place where everybody can see them. That, I think that's a great idea for uh, having people uh, have, uh, be able to find coalitions like that. And what you're talking about with politicians, I think to me that's a really big thing too because um, if you've got a strong contingency of people, there's nothing that says that you don't go and try to work with your politicians. And, and, and to me the thing I have found a lot is a lot of people ask the question, what's in it for me? So try to find win-wins for people. Life. You, know, you can find, yeah. You want to live. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I hate to say this, but human beings tend to be more crisis management people, you know? And I think that's where you're going to have the challenge with people is because until it's an absolute crisis that they can see on their front doorstep, a lot of people do not see that. And I think that's the challenge for people who have that. Uh, awareness and that uh, understanding of how we connect with the universe. So people like you are going to feel very frustrated because the people who don't want to see that or can't see that for some reason are going to be struggling to find that. And so you're right. That's the magic key. If we could find a way to show people something they've never seen before and help them to understand, you know, the, their connection to it and help them to see the value of it. That's the thing that could be the, the magic key for not only sustainability, but for politics, for pretty much everything that we, you know, have conflict with. Because right now people just, you know, if you look on Facebook, you see it all the time. You know, it's either I'm, I have an opinion, and if you don't agree with my opinion, you're wrong. And they just fight about it instead of saying, hey, how can we build a coalition here? You know, or how can we band together and make this work? And throw in a couple of pictures of the cute little kids, you know, grandkids and some puppies, you know, because that's part of it and say, OK, this is what we're working for. We want we want cute, cute little kids and puppies to have a place to play, you know, 50 years from now. You know what I mean? So how do we do that? What, what can we do as a group of people? Um, and I think that's why your podcast is so important is because you get people talking about it and sharing their opinions about what they do and how they do it. And pretty soon you start to build those networks that will help people to see more, you know, how, how people can draw each other together and have value in it and stuff like that, you know. Well, I would imagine that a lot of people that are listening to this podcast are already, you know, somewhat environmentally conscious folks. So, um, you know, we're really trying to break down stereotypes in our culture as much as possible <laughs> with this, this, this particular episode in this podcast because we can be so typed into these tree huggers that eat crunchy granola and don't shave their armpits and just scream and yell at people because we can't get them to pay attention to the, the, <laughs> the problem that we're in. So 
I guess I just wanted to, you know, share all of, you know, the three of us that are on this call, if there's, you know, any ideas that you guys have for finding common ground, meeting people in the middle so that if you are confronted with some sort of aggressive conversation with someone that doesn't agree with you, you know, how is the best approach to handle it so that you can, you know, end on somewhat of a good term with them and maybe get them to start thinking in a different way and not just be like that tree hogger. Yeah. 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 Cause, cause sometimes that can, you know, that, that can be a challenge because, you know, to me, the way I always think of it is, um, this is a, a thing I always uh, use as an example is if you go into a restaurant and it's a certain kind of restaurant and you, you are kind of, uh, you want you want something that's not on the menu and you're just kind of pushy about it and you're kind of I want it my way give it to me um, people aren't going to want to serve you as much and they're not going to want to work with you whereas if you say to them hey this is what I'd really like is there any way I can get it and maybe we can you know work together to do it and I see that a lot because um, you know on a personal note I have a gluten allergy and so I've had one for many years, and you know when it first came out, uh, it was something that you couldn't get anywhere. I mean now it's gotten much better, but I found very much so that if I went in and just kind of demanded something, you know, I wasn't going to pretty much get it. But if I went in and asked and said, "Hey, can you work with me on this?" they were much more willing to. And you know that goes into the whole thing about conflict resolution. You know, how do we, uh, as people who have passionate opinions about things take those opinions and turn them into something that is a win-win, can draw people in with us and resolve conflicts in a way that when people leave, they're like, wow, that was a really wonderful exchange. I really enjoyed that. Nobody, nobody was you know, rude or pushy. And, and we really kind of got together and had a good discussion about it. And you, know, you can ask them, you can say, hey, explain to me why it is that you're not interested in sustainability. Why is it that you don't, you know, you don't seem to really care about that. Explain to me why that is and try to gain some understanding because a lot of times it's just um, that they don't have the knowledge of it. If you, if you weren't raised around that or if you don't, if you've never had access to that, then that's a much different thing. Uh, you know, and people, I love it. Uh, there's a couple of places I've been uh, where they have projects where, I mean, it's just, I mean, oh my gosh, the, the, the lifestyle there is so dangerous and broken and uh, you drive by and somebody has planted a community garden and it's like this bright little spot in this dark place you know what i mean and i think wow how do we as people who really care about stuff like that plant these little seeds and these little things in places so that people who drive by can see them and maybe appreciate them you know what i mean that's that's the question either that or you i hate to say it your other option is to just move somewhere everybody believes like you do and uh, live there. Well, I'll just move, you know, someplace where, you know, I can think I've got a few in my, in my mind, but I won't say them. Yeah. You know, a couple of little states that are much more, you know, sustainable about things. Not Texas. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah. I do know that a lot of us chose to live in Texas and pursue these initiatives in Texas because they need it here. Yeah. And, and, um, or maybe we're just gluttons for punishment. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, okay. I mean, I, I generally know that you should just be a nice person and try to meet, 
people where they're at and not try to yeah. force them into anything. Yeah. Um, but there, there really have been some very contentious interactions that I've had with individuals. And, oh, yeah. You know, and, I, and I usually shut down. Like, I'm just so, like, shocked that they are behaving in that way that I can't even, like, I mean, this is how I've been my whole life. Like, I can't just be like, well, blah, 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 and just fight back at them. I'm just like, well, okay yeah yeah Yeah. that happened to me at a a presentation at a heckler in the audience that got up and left because he didn't like what I was saying about it was a sustainability talk but I started off telling you know what climate change is etc and he started just arguing yeah Yeah, and his argument actually wasn't climate change specifically he started lashing out when I was talking about the fact that we're running out of land, like usable land. And he said, well, we've, we use less than 1% in this, you know, planet. And that's just a lie. And we have plenty of land and we're not going to run out anytime soon. And I was like, "Mm." it it could happen. It really could. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I've actually people, I've actually people um, get up right in my, right in my face and, and literally point their finger in my face and yell at me. And, you know, you just have to kind of say, you know, they, this person is obviously very threatened by what I am saying for whatever reason. And a lot of times my, my theory is, is that anytime you challenge somebody's belief system uh, that is against what you believe, that you're talking about uh, a fear-driven response. And so, there, you know, you've got that fight-or-flight response. And so when somebody gets really aggressive like that, if they feel somehow like you're devaluing them as a person because you don't agree with them, then they're going to get very hostile because they want to believe that they're, they're, they're tying their value as a person to their belief in no sustainability or whatever their belief is. And so, you know, to me, I think that's a factor that you always want to take into consideration when somebody gets really hostile like that is to me, I'm wondering what they're fearful of, you know, what's, well, what's and making them afraid. That's being modeled like right now in front of us with Greta Thunberg and and the way that she's being treated by politicians and, you know, just people in general who are outright bullying her and just saying these awful things. She's 16 years old and obviously they're, they're scared and and they feel threatened by the 16 year old girl who is speaking more eloquently and, you know, knows more about this stuff than they do and has a grasp of the science in a way that they just can't or won't accept. And um, it's really unfortunate, but luckily she doesn't seem to, you know, care, which is good for her. (laughs) She's doing the right thing. Which may may show you that she does have a very strong sense of her own self-awareness and her own connection to the universe because she doesn't have to prove it to anybody. She's got a, a strong core self that says, Hey, you know, I'm valuable. My belief system's valid for me and I'm going to share it with people. And hopefully over time it will change the way people do things. And I mean, you see it a lot, you know, people are inventing things all the time that are very sustainable types of things. And I wish I had uh, a, a link for you, but um, I know there's one that I saw recently that I just thought was really interesting was where they had built this machine that literally went in and kind of, you know how a filter works for an air conditioner? Well, this filter works for the the ocean. And basically, I don't know exactly the mechanics of it, but it goes in and it actually filters, uh, you know, stuff out of the, the water. And so it's starting maybe to clean up. And if they can make them big enough, maybe, or, or do something like that. It's a giant then... oyster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It goes around. That's right. It goes around. And filtering the water. 
Exactly. Are you talking about the machine that like taking all the plastics and trash out of the ocean? Like does the yeah 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 you know what I'm talking about? I don't know the name yeah. of it. I was gonna look it up real quick, but uh, yeah, I, I I recently saw a, an article on that, and I just thought, wow, if, you know, if we could get more and more people to uh, be innovative and, and find ways to do that. I mean, imagine what that would look like if, you know, people said, okay, here's a bunch of engineers who want to clean up our ocean. Let's go ahead and do that, you know, or get funding. You know, that's the big thing is if you can find some uh, people who have uh, money that they want to do uh, philanthropically that you can start having them help come up with innovations and things like that that will not necessarily tell people how it's getting done, but show them because that's, you know, that's where you're really going to get that impact is if you look on Facebook, think about, you know, what, what are people their attention drawn to on Facebook? Uh, you know, they, they see something that's interesting to them and they watch it. You know, normally it's like, you know, kittens or puppies or somebody doing something silly. But um, if you could find a way to maneuver or move Facebook posts to things like, Here's all the really interesting, innovative things that are coming out, and here's a video showing how they work, and then get these people who are doing these innovations together and put them together and say, okay, now let's see if we can be innovative with that because, you know, with artificial intelligence and with uh, technology the way it is, uh, imagine what that could look like if you put artificial intelligence and technology into cleaning up the earth or, you know, because you can do air quality, you could do water quality, you could do sustainable homes, you know, really anything. I mean, I think, I can't remember uh, what the name of the, the person was, but somebody was even building like small 3D homes for people, you know, just very simple structures so that people don't have to be homeless or things like that. Uh, and oh, so, are you talking about like the 3D printing? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I, I mean, yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, it's wide open. We just have to, you know, get that innovation out there and, uh, you know, find ways to pull, connect the people together and strengthen yeah. it in numbers. And I think you're seeing more and more of it, not just from, like, developing new technologies, but um, our last show was actually about the creative reuse movement and how there's been this big surge of people just trying to find new ways to use things and invent, um, you know, something out of something old. Um, and I think that's great that people are trying to divert things from the landfill and trying to make things last longer. Um, it's, it's obviously not as widespread as it needs to be, but it's, it's a slow growing thing. And I think like Jen said, it's, it's getting that like social, um, weight to it to where it's going to be like, Oh, you bought that new. Well, I made this from this weird thing I found for 10 cents at a yard sale and you know, right. Yeah. May maybe we'll get that peer pressure. <laughs> Yeah, going yeah, on that yeah. stuff too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 I think people, you know, they get excited whenever it's something that it you know has that that kind of it factor to it. And I think that's the big challenge is finding that it factor for it. In fact, um, I'm in Austin right now, and um, I haven't talked to anybody recently, but about and actually, I think Jennifer, this was at one of your meetings. They had the the guy who was with the uh, the uh, uh, the Austin. Um, the trash uh, pickup, sanitation department. This was years ago, but um, they had talked about doing compostable uh, trash. And so they were having all the restaurants uh, get together. And instead of throwing trash away, they were going to compost it all and 
they were figuring out a way to do that at the city level. And so, you know, maybe trying to work with some of your city organizations to say, how can we help you make this happen? You know, uh, maybe. Are you talking about, like, the food waste compost? Yeah, or? yeah. Do you remember yeah. that? Yeah, that was a yeah. meeting I went to at your place, actually, that one time. And yeah. uh, he, he was talking about they were going to yeah, try to Austin, do that. Austin's been doing it. They're yeah. pretty good at composting. And I'm yeah. in San Antonio now, and they have curbside pickup for composting as well. So Texas yeah. is on its way, guys. That's right. By gosh, we'll just keep <laughs> moving forward. Slowly yeah. but surely. Yeah, it, yeah. Is, it is tough sometimes when you're just in the day-to-day grind and you're not seeing progress at the level that you'd like. But then if I do look back, like, I don't know, 13 years ago when I yeah. started working. I mean, things are pretty different. Yeah, yeah, they're <laughs> like, dragging right along, aren't they? Yeah, so, <laughs> I mean, obviously it's not happening, you know, quick enough, but yeah. things, yeah. Are, things are getting there slowly. So Celebrate I the can, little things, yeah. I can feel good things. about those things, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's right, um, that's right. So I guess I, back to, like, self-awareness um there is a whole like genre of something called environmental psychology so Mm -hmm. i don't know if either of you are well versed in it but i briefly kind of just did some reading on it um but there's a certain way that like the brain reacts to certain triggers and so in the environmental arena um people can often if you are aware of what you're saying and how you're saying it, almost like if you're talking to a therapist, like they know how to appropriately respond. Yes. There's, like a, there's a whole field for that, for environmental issues. And so that's kind of what I was interested in learning more about it is, you know, as an environmentalist and people that are listening that are into this type of stuff, there's a whole, like, brainwashing that <laughs> strategy <laughs> yeah, yeah. that is available and, and it's and it's very nonchalant. Like if you talk to people, you know, if you talk to a therapist or a counselor, whoever, like they know how to read body language, they know how to understand, yeah. you know, people's per- different perspectives and ask the right questions and um and you can get people to just like flip the switch maybe. I don't know. Yeah. This is the key to the <laughs> to the problem. But I think I'm going to definitely try to learn more of, like, how to do yeah. that. There, there's actually a great TV show, and it, it's been off the air for a long time, and I think there were only three seasons. It was called Lie to Me. Did you ever see that one? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a, it's about this guy who can read your body language and your your, your con- the context of what you're saying and, and figure out who's lying and who's not, and he's a consultant, so he can pretty much with about 100% accuracy tell whether or not you're lying or what you're thinking, you know, what you're doing uh, by following, looking at your body language and all. And so when you're talking about that environmental psychology, it popped in my mind that, you know, when you're talking about um, uh, a narrative for your story, um, there's, you know, there's, if you're, if you're telling a story, you can tell it a hundred different ways. You know, John was a jerk and everybody at work hated him. Or, you know, you could say, here's another narrative. John didn't get his work done, and so therefore people were becoming frustrated with the fact that he wasn't doing his job. You know, same story, but can you hear contextually kind of the different thing? Yeah. And I think that's probably a little bit about what you're talking about is if if you're trying to um, talk to somebody in a way 
that that shares with them the best possible scenario or, or context that will make them feel comfortable, you can change it depending on who the audience is. So if you have somebody who's really um, angry and, and threatened by what you're saying, you might word it differently than somebody, say, like if you were talking to each other or to somebody else who was already very sustainably uh, approachable, um, you could use a whole different vocabulary, a different context, a different body language with each of them to make them feel better, you know, or make them feel more connected to the story you're telling, you know, and how do you include them in, you know, like you yeah. could say to somebody, all right, I see you're upset, but what are you so upset about? Explain to me how you feel about that. And then that gives you kind of that in, you're opening up a space then where if they tell you, well, you know, my parents used to make me recycle and I hated doing it because it always had to happen on Saturday morning because you don't know what their story is. There, there, there may be a reason why they feel so threatened by that. And if you open up that space and say, OK, explain to me, why, why don't you like recycling? Explain it to me. What's what's going yeah. on there? Then you, think, you, you can do a better narrative with them because you know where they're coming from. Yeah, I think in general, it's human nature to want to be heard. So if you're just willing to listen, sometimes they'll run out of things to say. And then eventually <laughs> yeah, yeah. you can kind of jump in there and help, you know, move them in a, a different direction, perhaps. But yeah, yeah. Uh, it reminds me of when I was trying to create, like, even simple things like signage. Like, there's so much psychology behind yeah. marketing. I oh, yeah schooling and marketing but there's colors and you know the the shapes that they make that catches your eye and so just even trying to make like a simple pamphlet of like this is what <laughs> yeah. needs to be recycled and this is what doesn't need to be recycled like there's so many different just yeah. little flyers and how you put it together either attracts someone's eye to it and, and it, it entices them to read it and look at yeah. it and then do the behavior like, I've even been to Whole Foods where they'll have, like, the actual items themselves, like, mm -hmm. behind a little glass display case showing right. this is in this bin. <laughs> or, you know, so it's just yeah. a lot of, like, white space is very important as well. So, anyways, that's just signage. Like, there's a whole other thing about, like, prompting people. Like, there's certain ways of getting people to understand, like, this is the acceptable behavior and putting signs up that just show, you know, right. this is what we do here. Because a lot of us spend the majority of our lives at work for the most part. So if you can influence your own workspace, that alone yeah. can be your little win for yourself. <laughs> you exactly. Yeah, yeah. Things, you know, like you can at least make the small little changes in your own, your own home and in your, your office space at least. Yeah, and you can you can make you know long term and short term goals. Say you know, some of the smaller goals you do year to year are ones that are going to be definite wins, so you don't get frustrated. You know, I'm going to keep my recycle bin emptied. <laughs> you know, that's a that's a nice little win that if you're really you know at the kind of the basic level of sustainability, that that's a pretty easy one. But then you can say, okay, my five year plan is to get. Uh, a, a, a program in place that brings a hundred new people into doing this sustainable project, whatever it is, 
and then going out and figuring how to use that psychology and that context and how you word things and how you talk to people to get them that hundred people in. And, uh, and it takes the problem, the challenge with that is it takes a lot more time than saying, Hey, just get in here and do it, <laughs> you know, cause you do have to take time to listen and you do have to, uh, you know, try to draw them in by, you know, asking them, cause think about it. If somebody listens to you and, and listens to how you feel about it, are you going to be more inclined or less inclined to do something with them or to participate in something with them, you know? Yeah. So I think that's a great, yeah, that environmental psychology would be a very interesting uh, area. You need to get somebody, a couple of uh, environmental psychologists on the podcast to uh, I will. To get, I was looking at names when I was doing all my research. I was like, yeah. you need to call these people. But like, a lot of them get hired, like as a career, like these environmental psychologists are hired for like zoos to figure yeah. out how to do the educational displays yeah. that you read as you're walking through the zoo and stuff like that. It's yeah. Yeah. I dabble in it, but I dabble in it, but I'm not a, I'm not an expert, but I, I do like to dabble in it because I do think it is very important how you talk to people and, and the environment around you. Cause you can feel it. I mean, think about when you walk into Whole Foods versus uh, another grocery store, that's not, you know, think about that. It feels different, doesn't it? It's got a different, yep. even though it's a, it's a grocery store with food and cash registers and cashiers, it's got a different feel to it, you know, and that's kind of, I think that whole environmental psychology thing is how do you make something feel more sustainable? You know, you go to parking lot, uh, and one parking lot has, uh, trees, big trees growing with shade and plants and flowers. And the other one's just asphalt, which one are people automatically going to be, you know, even, even unconsciously drawn to, you know, yeah. so, you know, There's trying to work on little things like that. There's been some scientific studies that have shown, you know, humans are obviously attracted to nature. And so there's this whole new push for, it's called biophilic design for the interior mm -hmm. of spaces. And it's really just bringing the outdoors in. So having, yes. you know, having a window, having natural light, having a view of trees outside your window and then bringing plants into your space so you'll see a lot of like green roofs outside well now they're doing like living walls inside yeah, yeah. Um, and so like I just got a new office a couple of weeks ago and so I mean I'm like bringing plants like almost every day and everyone's just like what is this chick doing and I'm like all right come and sit in my space and see how you feel yeah <laughs> this, is, this one that has no plants and no windows like you know you feel different and so yeah that could be part of you know the self-care as an environmentalist we have to take care of ourselves sometimes too and so just finding those things that do make you feel good and happy yeah 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 because you don't want to get discouraged yeah yeah and, and, and i love that because uh, actually you know we were looking at uh, uh, uh venues uh, uh t this past week and um one of the venues is uh, a place in Austin, because that's why I'm here, is a, for, called Bar Mansion. And they actually have a building where the vines outside started to grow on the side of the building. And instead of cutting them down and, and getting rid of them, they've incorporated them into the wall. And so it, the, the, the plant is actually, the vines are actually growing inside the building now and creating a green wall and they have to trim it back about twice a year, but it's wow. it's stunning because instead of just having a plain, you know, construction wall, 
they have a wall of vines that, that kind of yeah. cover the inside and outside of the building. And, and wow. aesthetically, when you look at it, it's like, oh, wow. You don't think, oh, my gosh, there's a bunch of weeds, you know, growing on this house. <laughs> You're thinking, gosh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Well, they do create cleaner air. so it's See, high. there you go. Yeah. We, we actually, as sustainable people, joked about that. We said there was going to be much more uh, good air in the building. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so that's a positive, yeah. So I want to jump back um, to when we were talking about um, kind of finding common ground with people and meeting them where they're at. Um, I got to hear Catherine Hayhoe speak a few years ago, and she's kind of a world-renowned reno- um, climate scientist at Texas Tech, and she does – She's very well known for um, being both a climate scientist and an evangelical Christian and kind Uh of marrying those two worlds that a lot of times people see as diametrically opposed. Uh Um, And she is very good at at just, you know, telling stories and and relating to people. Um, And so one of the big takeaways from her talk and, and everything she puts out really is, um, is, is like you said, find common ground with people, find what it is that they care about. So, um, maybe for you, you know, sustainability and climate change, um, means, you know, the downfall of humanity. Um, and you're looking at it from this perspective, but for someone else, um, it may just be, they like to hunt or they like to, to fish and hike. Um, so maybe that's what you connect with them over instead of preaching the doom and gloom of, the world's ending, um, you say, well, right. you know, if we don't fix this, we're not going to have clean water for you to fish in or drink or, you know, pristine landscapes for you to go hiking in, camping, um, and figuring out, you know, what it is that makes them tick. Because there's got to be something, whether it's, you know, the activities they enjoy or like Jen said, they have kids and they care about their health and their um, ability to enjoy nature or, you know, something else um, that you hadn't even thought of. But it is interesting once you start talking to people to figure out what it is that is important to them and, and how you could use that, you know? Yeah. And well, sometimes and it's unlikely. Yeah. I think the biggest challenge I have seen in all the years I've been doing this is that most people, uh, for them, you know, generally speaking, now this is just generally speaking, um, don't get passionate or involved in something until it has directly affected them. So if you're a fisher, well, you're not going to care if a lake, you know, 20 miles from you that you never go to is polluted. But boy, if your if your lake gets polluted and you can't fish there anymore, I mean, how many fishermen do you think are going to come out and raise a ruckus about that? You know, or if uh, if they say, okay, air quality is so bad, everybody has to wear masks and you can't go outside for, um, you know, a, a week. Now, are people going to be more reaction? Yes, because it's impacting how they live their daily lives. You see that with water shortages. I mean, think about how people get whenever there's a water shortage. Uh, you know, there's been some droughts lately. I think Atlanta had a really bad one a couple of years ago where they uh, almost ran out of water, you know. and uh, Or you have times when there's a natural disaster where there's no water around. People change. And, and so to me, I think the biggest challenge is how do you get people to care before it, it has to impact their, their own personal daily living experience? Yeah. Because most people don't think in terms of, oh my gosh, five years from now, something bad might happen. They're thinking, gosh, how do I get food on the table and get my kids to soccer and, and, and get to, you know, get to work, get, you know, a house, you know, I want a nice, comfortable, safe house to live in. 
Uh, and so if, if those are the things you're really thinking about, uh, whether or not something's sustainable or not may take a, a second kind of spot in your life because it's not yeah. a dramatic thing right there. So how do you make them see, well, you know, if we can do this now, then maybe we will have maintenance instead of crisis. You know, that's what, yeah, we're, and that's I, what we're struggling for. I've learned over the years, um, much to my frustration in times that <laughs> it, a lot of people, it just doesn't come naturally to them to yeah. be concerned about others or how, um, like you said, how things affect people that, in other places that may not directly affect them, but just caring because other people are suffering. Um, And, and that's frustrating for me because I, you know, tend to just be a bleeding heart. Like I, you know, will cry the the slightest little thing that I hear about happening injustice in the world. And, um, and a lot of people just aren't like that. And so it's taken a lot of time for me to, you know, understand that and kind of accept that, okay, you know, other people have other ways of processing things and, how do we get them to kind of care when it doesn't directly impact their lives? Yeah. We're all yeah. connected. You know, we're yeah, all exactly. We humans. are. Yeah. And uh, in fact, there's a thing called the butterfly effect. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but um, basically what it says is, you know, if there's a, a weather, uh, something that happens in the weather in one part of the country, it impacts some, you know, like the butterflies in Mexico, you know what I mean? So um, every little thing that happens is interconnected. And if you think about it from an atomic level, you know, it's not like there's a little section of, uh, you know, molecules over here and a little section of molecules over here. All the molecules in the world are kind of bumping up against each other and moving around and, and uh, you know, things are, you know, shifting back and forth. So even on a molecular level, we're all interconnected. It's just, you know, like I said, how do you, how do you show people who don't see that as part of their daily lifestyle? Yeah. And, and I that's, think that's challenge. I think um, an important distinction to make also is is like you said earlier, a lot of people um, don't know what they don't know. And yeah. I have to remember that I was one of those people, you know, growing up. I mean, we recycled and we did stuff, but I didn't realize, you know, plastics and disposables were as terrible as they are. I remember even a few years ago at work, I would just you know, use plastic flatware and throw away cups and styrofoam plates. And, and now the thought, you know, the thought of me doing that, I would just like hide my head in shame. (laughs) But I mean, I've, I've learned a lot in those years, you know, and you teach yourself things and you, you go out and you actively keep trying to learn and, and um, improve yourself. And I think um, in, in going through that and knowing that not everyone's gone through, you know, that same process or cares to learn about those things, um, that kind of changes your perspective, too, when you're trying to talk to people, just realizing that, hey, they haven't gotten there yet or they're not even aware that what they're doing is harmful. Yeah. You know? And if you're yeah. And if you're like a business owner, you know, how great would it be if you said to your employees, OK, we're ta- all taking Friday afternoon off and we're going down to you know this area and we're going to clean the, you know, the land, or we're going to do a water quality thing, or we're going to do something that's a life lesson, but it's also something that's already good for the environment, volunteerism, that mm-hmm. kind of helps them see, oh, okay, there really are other things that I can do that are very simple things that'll help. And I think businesses could play a huge role in that if they do. And there's a lot of them that do. I mean, it's not, uh, it's not unheard of to have companies that say, yeah, let's do volunteer time and go do something to make a difference in the world, whether it be 
sustainability from a environmental perspective, from a interpersonal perspective or something like that. And, you know, when you're talking about the, the things that make you go, you know, where you have to think twice is for me, the big one was um, uh, I saw this video once of the plastic bags in the ocean and how they, you know, they throw the plastic bags and it, it gets the, you know, the animals get stuck in them and all. And I don't know why, but I just, uh, you know, normally, uh, you know, I, I, it makes me sad that I'm not like, you know, kind of uh, that impacted to the level where now I can't, I cannot throw away a plastic bag. I actually have to make sure they're all recycled in the house. And so if one, somebody in the family puts a, one of the plastic bags in the, in the bin, I'll, you know, kind of pull it out and put it in my little recycle bin and take it to one of the plastic bag recycle places because my, my visual that, that makes me not want to, you know, that, that kind of, uh, it's the impetus for me is, uh, is that plastic, that picture of the animals getting stuck in it and, and so I'll, that's my, my, my small victory part that I do on a religious, regular basis. So this is bringing up a topic for me about, like, burnout. Because there is a certain point where you can get frustrated and you're just like, screw this, I give up. Nobody's listening. So I do have to constantly remind myself of, um, you know, look at the things that have been accomplished. You know, yeah. so even if so if this particular topic or issue is, you know, not going to work out, just find your champions and work with them. And sometimes it is okay yeah. to, like, throw in the towel and move on because you don't want to completely burn yourself out, I guess is what I'm getting yeah. at. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, go, go for so, the small victories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. in fact, uh, you know, you were talking earlier about uh, Christian or religious views. Uh, actually, one of the the things I love is there's a, a pastor named Barbara Brown Taylor who uh, somebody asked her once, uh, I think she, if you know, how she got didn't get burnout in ch- her church because, you know, there's so many people who were, you know, always complaining about how something was being done or something like that. And, and I, it's always stuck with me what she said is she says, you can't control all the people in the church, but what you do is you find the people in the church who are the light, you know, the ones who are just putting their head down, getting their work done, and then you band them together, and then you start building your coalitions around these people. And, you know, even though hers was from a religious context, you could very much put it for any context, your business, sustainability, any of those things is there are people that, you know, that you work with or people that kind of lift you up and you, you know, spend time with them, you know, make it a point every week, you know, to uh, spend some time nurturing yourself because, you know, I think we forget sometimes when we do the environmental sustainability that it's also important to do the uh, self-sustainability or the interpersonal sustainability because those things are so integrated, you know, one impacts the other. And, and so, if you're just focusing on the environmental one and you forget the other two, sometimes you are going to find that breakdown because you're not giving yourself resiliency and sustainability or you're not giving the people around you that. You know what I'm saying? So finding yeah. ways to, to kind of make a cycle where when you feel like the environmental part's getting you down, go to the, uh, you know, to the, the self the one. Yeah. yeah, go do something just really nice. Walk in the woods. You know, I need to go take a deep breath. 
Yeah, I yeah, just climb a mountain. I, yeah. I have to find myself time like to just walk in the park and enjoy the trees. Yeah. And go for a swim and go you know, do some yoga to find my inner happiness. Yeah, go pick up go go pick up recycled cans that are laying around somewhere or, you know, it's like a little victory, you know, your own little yeah. personal uh, uh crusade, you know. <laughs> And um, another thing that I've been working on recently is, like, um, creating expectations and then, like, your own perceptions of, like, reality may not be based in anything real. So, like, just because I send an email out to the entire organization and only one person responds that they're interested <laughs> in being a part of my sustainability work group, that doesn't necessarily mean that there's it's very specific. Yeah. <laughs> there's She's only not one. holding that's, any grudges. That's right. That's right. Just that one person. Yeah. Well, today at work, and they're like, "Oh, I, you know, it's been year end, and you know, I really mean needing to get to that. Let's do this." And so, yeah. you know, meanwhile, this whole time I've been thinking, like, "Oh my gosh, like only one person out of a hundred wants to work with me on this," you know? But it's just. Like, people have their own stuff going on, and they might not be able to do it right in that moment and respond right in that time. So, again, it's just, like, be patient, find your champions, work with the one person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get things going, and then you create that social proofing, social mm -hmm. norms within your organization, and eventually people will be like, oh, that is pretty cool. They're having fun. I want to be yeah. a part of that. They got, yeah, yeah. they got recognized on stage and got an award because they took you. Yeah, yeah. Not. So, anyways, like, I do that a lot in general for a lot of stuff. I'll make assumptions that someone's thinking something, and I really have no clue that that's what they're thinking. I'm just assuming it. So, yeah. anyways, that's just another thing of, like, being just a better person or a better environmentalist is just know that the things you tell yourself are not necessarily real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Actually, that's a great segue. You know, I was, uh, I do a lot of work with like conflict resolution and stuff like that. And, um, whenever I was doing my, uh, my doctorate many, many years ago, um, I actually was doing research and I found like three, there's actually these three things, you know, if people are saying, okay, I want to learn, critical thinking skills, I want to learn self-awareness, things like that. Well, if you're, if you're wanting to kind of do a sustainability part that's for your personal self, um, there's actually three things that you can do. Uh, and for some people, they're very easy and they come naturally, but some people it's very difficult because they weren't taught it and, and they, it wasn't a part of their culture. But uh, you were talking about expectations and reality. The Actually, the third one, in that is to align your expectations with reality because you know there sometimes the the reason we get very frustrated is because our beliefs or our um, expectations are very different than what the reality of the situation is and so we start to feel frustrated and so what I tell people a lot of times if I'm working on self-sustainability is that if you start to feel frustrated or upset or mad about something that the chances are very high that your expectations are not matching the reality of the situation and assumptions are not a good thing to have. You should always get the facts because when you don't, you're, you're exactly right. You, that's where you make a, a, a situations possibly worse. In fact, the, the best story I have about this, this is a true story is I, I was asked to come in and work with this company and um, there were two people that were fighting and I mean, it had gotten so bad. It was a small company that they had 
divided the, 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 the business and half the people were on one side, half the people were on the other. Nobody was talking. It had caused a horrible situation in the, in the company. So I went in and I was talking to the two people who were at the core of this. And to make a long story short, uh, what ended up being the, the, uh, the, 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 the starting point of it was they were in a meeting together. And um, one of them, whenever they were, they were sitting across the table from each other in this meeting. And one of them just looked across the room and they happened to be one of those people that when they were thinking, they scowled. You know, they had kind of that scowly face when they were thinking. And they were looking across at the other side of the table, just, you know, looking at the wall. And the other person thought that they were staring at them. And these are people that used to, like, go have lunch together and were, you know, they were colleagues. And the, the one on the other side thought, well, gosh, what's he mad at me about? He's sitting over there scowling at me while we're watching, having this meeting. And he says, well, you know, forget that. If he's going to act like that with me, I'm just going to stop, you know, I'm going to just avoid him. So he started avoiding him. So the other guy was like, well, gosh, if this guy is going to keep avoiding me, then I don't want to be around him. And it just, you know, it just kind of snowballed from this belief that somebody was mad at somebody. And so... It was it was so funny because it was like magic because whenever at the very end when I sat them down and said, okay, this is what happened, they were like, oh, yeah, I get it. Okay, so that makes sense. And then they were fine. It was like, you know, and so I think you're right. I think that's one thing when you're doing anything environmentally sustainable is that, that goes back to that whole listening thing is make sure you know what the real story is because if you're assuming there's a reason why that person either doesn't care or doesn't know it may be that your assumption of what that person is thinking is not correct, and so therefore you're yeah. not going to know how to do the psychology to get them to the right place, you know? It is so, crazy to me yeah. that there's so much behind the environmental field that revolves around proper communication skills. Yeah, yeah. And it could just be body language alone, like you're mm-hmm. saying, like a face expression alone. When you are confronted with that, all sorts of stuff goes through your head. Like, yeah, yeah. You're like, they're mad at me, or yeah. you know, what's wrong? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. it is pretty interesting. Yeah, I, yeah, and I, I think that's a really uh, nice way to to get people to a better place too, is because when you start that cycle of listening to people and then kind of talking to them from where they're at, then that's a that's a think about if you've got them in that place and you invite them to come do a sustainable event with you, are they going to be more or less likely to come with you? You know what I mean? If, if they feel like they've been heard and that you care about what their feelings and thoughts are on it and, you know, you're willing to share that experience with them coming from where they're at, I mean, you, that's a great way to draw people in is to make them feel like what they think and how they think about it matters, even if it's different than yours, you know. And I, I see a lot of people who have very different views who joke about it and still go do stuff together, even though they're very different. You know, they're coming at it from two totally different ways. They can still see that 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 bigger picture, and uh, and I think that's you know those are the people who really you know start to impact things. And um, I also was thinking about you know like people like uh, Jane Goodall, who you know her work with the gorillas and all. She doesn't go try to drag people in to do it with her. You know, she does her work. But look at the impact she has made, and Mother Teresa and. You know, list make the list on and on of people who've done environmental things or who have done inventions that have changed the way that we do things environmentally, and uh, they they they're not they're just going out there and getting it done, and uh, and that can impact people too. So th- th- think about that the next time you get really frustrated. <laughs> I can do it. I can go out there and make it happen I on think- my own. 
You know, I think your message about just modeling the behavior, um, that which is what you're essentially saying with that too, is, is really important because um, I know a lot of times, especially at work, and just as I've as I've become more and more conscious of how I consume and you know the way that I live my life, um, I think to myself, you know, I mean it's just me and and what difference am I making? I live alone, nobody sees it, you know, I, it doesn't even matter um, except for to me. And, and then I'll have people that say things like, "Oh, I got this," and they'll be so proud to show me like I got this thing that's like made of you know compostable plastic or I got a metal straw or whatever yeah. little thing that they changed or, you know, that they've started recycling and it's, they're like, Oh, well, you know, you've inspired me to do this or, um, because you talk about it all the time, I looked into this and it's really cool. So like, yeah. you know, you don't realize it, but you are making a difference in yeah. the things that you do and people notice, especially when it's something unique and different, they're kind of like, Oh, that's neat. You know, let's, let me look into that. If, if right. they're, you know, open to that. And, um, we had someone on our show uh, the very beginning, Stefan, he always said, you know, living sustainably is not only good for the planet, it's just a more interesting way to live. And I think that's very appropriate because why not do something because it's unique and different, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and I love what you just said about the, uh, you know, the impact that you have because the other thing you don't know is if you impact that one person, how many people she went and told and how many people she impacted that you will never see uh, how that effect. was went through there. Yeah. That ripple effect of it. So, yeah. yeah. My, I my, Oh, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say my pro achievement so far is probably a coworker who told me a couple years ago, I don't recycle. I don't do any of that stuff. I think it's all silly. I admire you for doing it, but I'm just not going to do it. And then the other day, another coworker told me, Jennifer, you would have been so proud of her. She like refused to throw something away because she said, Jennifer would get so mad if we didn't recycle these boxes. <laughs> and she <laughs> went out of her way. And I've even got her like opening yeah. the compost bucket, which she said was disgusting and she was never yeah. going to do. Uh, so yeah. that yeah. was my proud moment. That's right. Yeah. Pat, pat on the back. Pat Peer on the pressure. Back. Yeah. 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 <laughs> what were you going to uh, say, Jennifer? I kind of like forgot, but okay. <laughs> um, I think that, you know, that maybe just our common theme here is that we are all connected and we, we understand that everything's interrelated. Like I'm off, I'm off, um, I often tell people to like just watch the movie Avatar and just look at it from like that environmental yeah. perspective. It's hard not to, but um, yeah, I guess. We're all kind of just talking about, like, taking care of ourselves, taking care of the planet. But I think, you know, what I would want people to take away from this podcast, most of all, is just, you know, look into proper forms of communication when we're trying to, you know, get people to, to hear our side because we have to hear their side as well. And we don't know how they were raised and what their belief systems are um, in regards to climate change or environmental, um, the environmental activism that we have. Um, right, in right. Also. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Awesome. Well, ladies, uh, if you don't have anything else on this, I think we'll move on to our green life hacks. Anybody have Sounds anything to good. add before we Sounds jump good. over? So, okay. um, 
who would like to go first? Jen, do you have something I ready? Have. Okay. <laughs> I um, have to go grab it really quick. But so <laughs> I also finally got around to putting a bunch of plants in my house. I've lived here for like nine or ten months, and I didn't have like a single living thing in here except for my animals. Um, so I finally went and got a bunch of plants. So and because I have a cat. I had to buy these like hanging planters. So, I mean, those that you are watching, I'm going to turn this around and see. Can you guys see those? Yeah. Oh, oh nice. yeah. yeah. I like those. They're wall so, hanging. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, I have like 10 of those around the house now. Um, but I also just got this today, which is an air plant. Oh, you typically yeah. can't kill this thing. It like, doesn't even just have spray a root system, yeah. really. You just kind of like mist it with a little water thing. So um, I think where I'm having a hard time growing stuff, like because my cat eats plants, I can't have anything like on tabletop, so I have it all hanging. But so there's certain areas of the house that don't really get sunlight and whatever. So I'm going to do some of these nice. air plants. <laughs> I've so been again, afraid to go vertical with my plants. I have a ton of plants everywhere, but I don't hang them because I don't know. I just worry they'll break or they'll fall or, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm I, not I good at it. Hope for the best. I, I, just <laughs> take, um, I just take the whole thing off the wall and put it under the sink yeah. to like water it. Cause it doesn't have like a drain thing either. So I'm being really careful of like oh, not yeah, putting too much water in cause it can't drain. So And your wall will start here. leaking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so yeah, that's what I'm doing to make myself be more sustainable and more resilient and take care of me. Bring nature into your home. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, Lynette, uh, what do you have for us? Well, I've got one, and I apologize. I don't have a uh, one with me, so I can't. I can only verbally tell you how to do it. But uh, one of the things, you know, I told you about paper bags. Well, my other one is the Coke can, or the uh, you know where you buy uh, a six pack of something and you've got that plastic uh, thing and the, the animals can get their heads stuck in the, uh, the little round parts of it. Yeah. And so I, I've, I've, over the years, I've always cut those up. I started by just tearing them, you know, and tearing all the whole, you know, so that all the little uh, ones that are closed, uh, just ripping them apart so that they're, uh, there's no holes for them to get their little heads stuck in. Um, but what I started doing is over the years is, I found that if you take the, the you know, where it's got the, the, the three and three, and then there's a little middle piece that has some little holes in it. Mm -hmm. If you take a pair of scissors and you cut down the middle of the, the, the pack, you know, where the little holes are down the middle, and then you fold it over so that the, the round holes, there's three and three, uh, mm -hmm. and put them together and then cut those, it goes twice as fast. So the next time you take home uh, some of those uh, six-pack of of things, just get a pair of scissors out and cut it straight down the middle and then fold over the two, uh, three parts and cut them and you're done and you can throw it in your uh, uh, recycle plastic. Awesome. You know, I've seen a bunch of um, like alternatives to those nowadays. I yeah. A lot of companies are kind of moving away from it or you can even get like the stuff that comes in the cardboard. Oh, yeah, like yeah. There's that. a lot of them, yeah, yeah that are, are packing I it. I think I even really saw one that was like edible for like Creatures. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they, they dissolve. 
Yeah. yeah. They, they've got a lot of compost, compostable things now, too, which yeah. I love that. Yeah, that's pretty neat. That's awesome. So, so that's mine. Awesome. Yay, thank you. Sure. Um, so mine is it's pretty simple. Uh, I've been drinking out of this cool, like, glass water bottle that I actually got at Austin Creative Reuse a few months ago. Um, so mine has just been trying to phase out disposable items and use more permanent um, things like water bottles, plates, silverware, you know, even when I eat out, um, we've talked about that before, using your straws and taking Tupperware and everything. Um, but yeah, tr trying to use more glass, metal, um, and not so much plastic uh, and getting used to just, you know, even more phasing that out of my lifestyle diet. So um yeah, yeah, Mountain Mountain Valley Water. I don't know if you're familiar with that brand. Mountain Valley Valley Water has a great thing. They have a, you know, the the big uh, containers that you can put on top of a, mm -hmm. a little thing with a spigot, yeah, you know, to get the water. A lot of those are yeah. plastic, but Mountain Valley Water has a glass one that's really so nice, and you can get it. It's pretty inexpensive. Yeah, it's interesting. I actually stayed at an Airbnb this weekend, this past weekend, and. She had that, and yeah. I was like, the first thing I said was, "Is your water container glass?" She probably thought <laughs> yeah. I was a weirdo. Yeah. But yeah, it was like she had yeah, a right. stand with three glass ones and one on top, and yeah, um, yeah, and you can just have your water right there. I that's what I use at home, and uh, you yeah. can go buy, and they give you, uh, they give you, you buy the glass, but then if you return it, you get money back, and so it ends up not being too expensive, you know, yeah. overall. You have to put the initial investment in. Like but I just buy two tanks. of the glass things and then trade them out, and uh, okay. that keeps me in water all the time. Yeah, just don't drop it because. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's a little heavy. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, there you go, guys. Um, Jen, where can we find you online? Are you uh, online? <laughs> no, not anymore. No, <laughs> sorry. Completely hidden. So she she's exclusive here to sustainably geeky. <laughs> yes. Uh -oh. Exclusive right. to me. <laughs> Lynette, where can we find you online? And and I know that you've written some articles, so kind of plug that as well. Yeah. Well, I'm on LinkedIn. That's a good place to if you want to see some more about articles. I put all of my articles on there so that people can look at those. Um, I write a kind of a monthly article for uh, MPUG, which is a project management company, and I do it on soft skills and things like that. And then I do have a website that's um, expectations-reality.com. So, okay. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Expectations-reality.com. And, yeah. of course, you can find me here on Sustainably Geeky, occasionally on Marginally Geeky and Epically Geeky, our parent channel. Um, and on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Het's Gonna Be Me. Um, you can also find the show on Facebook and Instagram at Sustainably Geeky and at, on Twitter at uh, Sustainably Geek because the Y was one too many characters for us. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, of course, the show can be found anywhere you stream podcasts. Um, so please subscribe to us, share us with your friends, give us a five-star rating, uh, let us know what you think, and give us some topic ideas if you have them. Um, send us your suggestions. I know some of you like to share what you're doing and, and links to stories, and we love that. So um, keep sharing, and thank you for listening. Have a good night. Bye.
This has been a presentation of the Epically Geeky Network. 